Does anybody love watching random YouTube videos? Okay, just a few people. Y'all are my people. Um, YouTube randomly recommends me some videos based on certain things I watch. And there's this one channel I love called Yes Theory. And then I was recommended some videos from this other channel called Discover Connection. And the title of this video on my suggested homepage was Asking Mexicans to Cook Them Dinner in Their Home. You see, this Canadian couple was going around different neighborhoods in Mexico and knocking on random doors and saying, hey, could we come cook you dinner in your house for your family and come and eat with you? And they were going from door to door asking different Mexicans if they could come in. And they were asking them in their very broken Spanish that they had just started to learn weeks prior to this. Now, how many of y'all, if you were home this afternoon, how many of y'all would actually let some strangers come into your house and cook you dinner if they just randomly knocked on your door? I see like less than five hands. See, you you guys would have been the perfect people. I mean, honestly, if somebody came and knocked on my door and were like, hey, I'm going to come cook you dinner, I'd be like, yes, please, then I don't have to cook dinner. But th this couple, they got denied again and again and again, and it was kind of getting awkward because these Mexicans were so confused why this couple was at their door with cameras and Google Translate asking them if they could cook them a meal, but they persisted. And eventually they found somebody to say yes. And so they went and bought their ingredients and came back to this random home in a random neighborhood, and there were 11 Mexicans there ready to be cooked for. They were ready to have dinner with this family, and one of the Mexicans was acting like kind of a translator because he wanted to practice his English with these Canadians. And what started out as super random, and let's be real, it also felt kind of awkward. I even felt a bit awkward watching them ask different people it actually became one of the most heartwarming videos to watch. And by the end of the night, this Mexican grandma was ca calling this Canadian couple family and saying, y'all can come over, not y'all, but in my translation, y'all can come over anytime because you're family now. But instead of them going into this westernized restaurant in Mexico where they could order um, off of a menu that had an English translation, they did something brave that not many people would have done. And they went out into random neighborhoods to meet strangers and to show them part of their culture while also embracing the authenticity of the Mexican culture. And they shared a meal together. And it was over this meal that they actually found common ground. And when I think of my travels throughout the years, it's often been moments over meals that actually actually brought me together uh, with people from around the world, people of different cultures. It's often been moments over meals, over food and celebration where walls were brought down, where prejudices were put aside, where we could have a conversation together and we developed the most genuine connections because we found common ground at the table and focused on what really matters. And so today my message for y'all is called Standing on Common Ground. If you're taking notes or if you're in the notes app, you can write that down. But I want to kick us off with Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. It'll be on the screen. Maybe you've heard this part of this psalm before. But it says, You, God, made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, God saw us before anyone else ever did. Every day of our lives was recorded. 
and every moment laid out before anyone in this world ever knew us. See, do you realize that God, who is the designer and the creator of all things, knew exactly when and where you would be born? He knew the country and he knew your family. He knew the color of your skin and the color of your eyes. He knew what your accent was going to be before anybody ever heard you talk. And our little boy, he's definitely going to have a little American twang. I know it. God knows it. But he also, God knew your food preferences before you ever learned to taste. He knew that on this very day, you would actually find yourself here in Papakura, New Zealand, surrounded by all these gorgeous people from different cultures and different places. He knew you would be here on this very day. And I think it's so beautiful that we can sit here in God's house and be surrounded by people that are from so many different countries, from so many different places around the world, people who look different than us, people who speak different than us, people who have different preferences and tastes and customs than us. Yet despite all those differences, he called each of you here together. You know, God has this way of bringing people of different groups together. And he's actually been known in the Bible to make others really uncomfortable in how quickly he dismisses some differences in order to embrace what really matters. In fact, Jesus's inclusivity was found to be quite offensive to people who are much more comfortable with their exclusivity. And today on International Sunday, before we delight our taste buds with the International Food Festival in our cafe after this, I think we should look, take a look at some of the people that Jesus called to follow him while he was ministering here on earth. Because there's a few things that we can learn from these original disciples of Jesus. And when I say the original disciples, I'm talking about those 12 young men in his inner circle, but also all of the other believers that became believers through his years of ministry here on earth. And in Matthew chapter 10, these disciples are named. In chapter 10, verse two to four, the names of the 12 apostles were Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Now these 12 young men came from very different backgrounds and professions and even political leanings. They all had very different personalities that actually would have clashed as they were all called together from very different circles that they usually hung out in. There would have been a huge clash of personalities when they all came together with Jesus. Now think about it. Matthew, the tax collector, would have been hated by all these other men. Why? Because he was the Jew who had chosen to partner with the Romans by collecting taxes off of his Jewish people. He would have made a lot of money with this career, but it would have come at the cost of some broken relationships with friends and family. And so he would have been seen like an outsider among the Jews. In fact, a lot of Jews looked at tax collectors and thought of them as absolute scum. Yet Jesus calls him to be a part of his inner circle of disciples. And in the same group of people was Simon the Zealot. See, Matthew, the tax collector, he served the Roman government, whereas the Zealots were very much opposed to the Roman Empire. In fact, there was this, they were seen as this aggressive and political religious movement 
who even turned on Jews, their own people, if they were seen to be cooperating with Rome. And there was a subgroup of zealots known as the Sicarii, who were trained fighters, highly trained fighters, who saw it part of their godly mission to actually attack and kill Roman convoys and people who attempted to collect taxes. So Jesus called a tax collector and a zealot to be a part of his inner circle of disciples, Two men who had drastically different political views. Two men who had drastically different upbringings and lifestyles to follow him. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Jesus would have probably found that moment quite amusing when these two men showed up and they realized they were in the same room, called to be students of the same rabbi, because Simon the Zealot probably wanted to kill Matthew, literally. And Matthew was probably terrified to be in the presence of a zealot without the protection of a Roman guard, yet they both had a seat at the table, and so did others. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, It says, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of all evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who are contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So not only did Jesus gather men from all these different backgrounds, but he also allowed women to join him on their ministry journeys. Now, it was unheard of and highly offensive for a rabbi to be teaching women in this day. And they weren't just any women. Mary Magdalene was known around the towns as this demon-possessed woman until Jesus delivered her. And then Joanna was the wife of Herod's business manager. Herod, who was the ruler of a principality in the Roman Empire. Herod, who eventually had John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, killed. That Herod, Joanna's husband, worked for that Herod, but yet she was welcomed in on these ministry journeys with Jesus. Now that would have ruffled some feathers, y'all. See, Jesus welcomed both men and women to his table, and he welcomed followers from all different regions that he went into. Matthew 4.25 tells us that large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. See, wherever Jesus went, he embraced people from that region and that culture. And he intentionally went into areas where disciples were scared to go. He took a seat at the table of sinners, a seat that many others would not take He crossed boundaries that men had created to show that God's love actually had no limitations. Jesus showed us in his earthly ministry that there is room for diversity in his kingdom. You need to know that today. There is room for diversity in the kingdom because God created our diversity. So, of course, of course there would be room at the table for it. God made us male and female. God scattered the people at the Tower of Babel, introducing all the different languages. God designed us with different personalities. God distributed different spiritual gifts among us. God placed different passions within us. God created a beautifully diverse world. Just look at the diversity he's created in nature or the diversity in the animal kingdom. That same diversity and creativity we also see in humanity. So there is room for diversity in the kingdom of God. 
And Revelation 5, 9 reassures us that you, Jesus, were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Now, this tells us that every tribe, every language, every people group, every nation is going to be represented in heaven. And so that's why we celebrate International Sunday. That's why we celebrate every tribe, every language, every people group, every nation, because this is a glimpse of what heaven is going to look like. Because every single tribe, every nation is going to be represented in heaven. But although we have diversity, God is way more concerned with our unity. See, we have diversity, and that's beautiful, and we celebrate that, but you need to know God is way more concerned with our unity. Because too often we allow diversity to divide us. Or we allow it to become an idol in our lives. And by that I mean something we base our whole identity on. And too many people do this. You know, when Jesus brought Matthew, the tax collector, and Simon, the zealot, to the table, do you think he wanted them to just argue about their political views or their upbringing? See, I think Jesus would have wanted them to lay down the money bag, lay down the weapons, and actually come to the table and find out what unified them on common ground. What was that common ground that they could find? See, I think Jesus was more concerned about those two men discovering a common purpose and laying down their differences in order to live out a common mission. Do you think Jesus wanted his male and female followers to get caught up in arguments about gender differences? Do you think Jesus wanted the Jewish and Samaritan believers to focus on the division of their past that was ruled by hatred and misunderstanding between people groups? Or do you think Jesus was more concerned with men and women, Jews and Gentiles coming to the table to share a meal and actually find some common ground and have a shared mission here on earth? Galatians 3.28 tells us there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, we know that the disciples of Jesus were incredibly diverse, but they had to find a way to be unified as students and followers of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what really mattered. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6, we're told to make every effort to keep ourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all, in all and living through all. Y'all, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God over and in all. That is the common ground we fight for. That is the common ground that we can all stand on. That is the common purpose that unifies all of us together, no matter our country of origin, no matter our original native tongue, despite our outward appearance, despite the clothes that we wear, despite our food preferences at home, we can all stand on common ground. Why? Because we're all children of God. And as sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, we can celebrate our diversity while also being focused on our unity. Keys can come join me now. You know, in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying a prayer for the body of believers. But I just want to read to you verses 20 and 23. Jesus says, I am praying 
not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's all of us. Jesus says, I am in them, and you, Father, are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's Jesus' prayer for you, that you would know and experience such perfect unity as that that's experienced within the Trinity, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You see, God wants us to be united to him, but he also wants us to be united to each other as brothers and sisters, as believers, as the church. We need unity with God and unity with each other. So did God design our diversity? Absolutely. But he makes it clear that he's way more concerned with our unity. See, I think Jesus was very intentional with who he invited into his inner circle of disciples. He showed us that differences in opinion, differences in culture, differences in upbringing, differences in our nationalities aren't nearly as important as the world makes them out to be. He showed us that we can find common ground at his table because in reality, what we're all trying to do is to become more like Jesus, not like each other. We can learn from each other and we can grow closer together as we all try to become more like him. That's the model that we're aiming for. That's who we're all aiming to become like. And as we grow closer to each other, we become closer to him as well. There's so much we can learn from each other. And I think we should celebrate the beautiful parts of our culture, but stay focused on what really matters. And my prayer for our church is that we wouldn't just share a meal together celebrating international flavors at our international food festival just once a year. See, my prayer is that meals are taking place amongst different church members every single week of the year, where walls are being brought down, where people can share the best of their cultures with each other, but where also people can find beautiful common ground. You know, when I was writing this, it made me think of a beautiful moment that we had with some of our small group leaders here at church, Vincent and Yovandi Allnut. And we went over to their house one time for this South African meal where they were so excited to show the best of their culture to us. They had this array of South African treats that they had prepared for me and Frosty to taste. And I remember this, this moment where Yovandi said to me, I'll show you the best of South Africa and you can show me the best of America. You see, we could share these beautiful parts of our culture together and we should, but at the end of the day, See, more than food uniting us was actually our faith uniting us. It was our faith that actually led us to becoming friends in the first place. That was the common ground that we stood on. And so today I, I encourage you to go learn a greeting in somebody else's language. Go up to somebody and admire their cultural wear if they're dressed up today. Go taste some new foods in our international food festival. And go learn the story of how somebody came to be here on this day in this year as this part of the church. Let's embrace this beautiful diversity that God created for us, but let's also fight for what really matters, which is one Lord and one faith and one shared mission here on earth before Jesus returns. Remember that Jesus is the ultimate model for all of us. And what we learn from him throughout the gospels is that he embraced those that others rejected. He invited in those that others had cast out and he shared a meal with those that others misunderstood. So just like Jesus, let's embrace each other today and celebrate what makes us different. 
but let's invite people to discover the best of what our cultures have to offer, the cultures that we grew up with. Let's share a meal together. And I really encourage you to not just go in there after the service finishes and buy some food and go home and enjoy it in the comfort of your own home. But we have turned our youth room into a big seating area. And I encourage you, go get food and then go into the youth room where there's tables set up. JP is going to be running some games, but I want you to sit down with somebody from another culture. Sit down and learn their story. Learn what brought them here. Learn about the best of them. Don't just sit down with who you're comfortable with. But I encourage you not just to run off, but to stay today. Because because who knows, you might end up having the coolest conversation, just like those Canadian YouTubers did when that Mexican family invited them in for this random meal on a random day. So I want to pray for y'all before we jump in there to eat, but I'm going to pray two different prayers. The first prayer is for everybody, but the second prayer is for those that don't yet know who Jesus is. I'll tell you more about him in a second, but church, let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that you are good and you are so creative with humanity. And I thank you for all of the differences that we have, for the unique, unique ways that you have wired each and every single one of us. Today, I pray that people could break down walls that man has created. I pray that today we could sit with people that maybe we've never sat with before, that we could learn about a culture that we've never discovered before, that we could taste flavors we've never experienced before. And I pray that all of it is a celebration of you. But I pray that this would go beyond today. Today is International Sunday, but I pray that meals start taking place among church members every single week of the year so that we can grow closer together as we draw closer to you because our aim is to become more like you every single week.